we go to the book of Daniel tonight. I pray that the Lord might touch us. I pray you give us something. I've been back and forth all day long on the book of Daniel. Of course, I've been on it for the last few weeks studying for it. And I want to move a little farther tonight. And we're going to back up a little and come forward. I don't know as we'll get much done, but we'll be there. And I pray that the Lord might give you something tonight that will strengthen your heart. Word, the Word of God is what's important. And uh, I'm going to, what y'all been talking about just here in the last little bit, you're going to see it applied tonight. The reason I didn't comment much on it when you said something a while ago. So let's go to the book of Daniel. And let's look in the first chapter of the book of Daniel. And we're going to begin with this. And this will be lesson number nine. Be the ninth lesson we've had off of Daniel. And we're going to start reading tonight in the ninth verse. And uh, we was on the ninth verse a little bit last week too, but we're going to get some more things. I want you to look at it. And uh, we're going to be dealing with Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 9 and verse number 10. I doubt we'll get much further than that. Matter of fact, we may be back on it again next week. It depends on how far we get. And we need to look at these things. I love the Bible. It explains itself. A lot of people don't care much for the Bible. You know, and I'm talking about the world. And uh, to say in something that uh, what Brother Shane said a while ago, I tell you what I believe today in the, in our country is we're trying to fill churches up with people that do not know God. And I'm talking about tonight that we're more interested in in uh, what you know what we're getting done. I'm talking about churches in general all across the country, but we're not looking at the business. You can be a you can be in the church. You can be a church member. You can be a uh, you can be saved, but you there's a difference between a, a saved person and what I call a Christian. That's right. People don't understand that. Now, you can be saved in a church, and if you're saved, you're going to heaven. If you called upon the Lord, you confessed your sin, Jesus has moved in, the devil's moved out. But there's many has gotten saved, and our churches are filled with people that said they got saved and is 30 years old, when there's 30 years ago or five years ago, and they'll tell you about everybody to tell you they're saved, I doubt that all those that tell me that they're saved are saved. But I'm going to tell you something. I can't judge them and can't tell. I just have to take what they say. Because the only one I know in this building that is saved is myself. And I'm not bragging about me, and I'm not saying I'm the only one saved. I hope everybody is, except those who have not had reached the age of accountability yet. Understand? Uh, but don't, don't go out and talk about me now when I say you can be saved and not be a Christian. Because there's a difference. It's, you can be saved. All you've done is called on the Lord because that's all you've known to do. Nobody's taught you anything. Uh, down through the years, I believe this church has pretty well been taught. But I want to say to you tonight... A Christian is living a life that's Christ-like. Walk like Christ, talk like Christ, live like Christ, and uh, try to serve Christ all you are. Now you said, preacher, I, I, don't, I have a problem with that just a little bit there. You said about being saved in a Christian. Well, that is a thin, thin line. I've always thought that you, you're too close to being lost. In that kind of condition. And, I, and, and if I had to preach your funeral and I didn't know where you was lost, you can count it. I wouldn't preach you into glory. So the best thing to do is you preach your funeral while you're alive. Amen. And uh, we'll just say amen when, you, when we're burying you. Praise God. Because you proved it. Amen. I suppose most of you believe that, don't you? All right. Uh, don't I think you'll come around to it. I'm going to preach on it a while. All right, the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse number 9, verse number 10. Watch with me, and let's read together. Now God had brought Daniel into favor. Do you remember that verse tonight? God can make you at peace with your enemies. I thought of that when he, he gave that. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Verse 10, and the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking 
than the children which are of your sort. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Father, give us wisdom tonight. Help us, Lord, to get over on the thoughts and subjects that we need to that's very necessary. And Lord, I pray that we might see something here, gain something here, be touched from the throne of God, open my mind that I might understand, uh, open my lips that I might speak. But more than anything and most of all, give me this unction of the Holy Spirit of God and anoint what I say. Lord, not because of me, because it's the Word of God. And Lord, when the Word of God's preached, Lord, you always stay by it. And I thank you for that. And I pray tonight, Lord, you'll direct our mind and thought. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just thought of something when I started praying. As a matter of fact, when I read that verse of Scripture, he said in, uh, in verse number 10, and I'm going to go hit that, and then we'll come back and start the message. He said, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the... Do you see that word children? All right, now listen to me just a minute. Which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Look at verse 4. And I'm going, I'm backing up now because we had gotten further than that. In verse 4, it said, children in whom was no blemish. And he's talking about what they're looking for to bring into Babylon. And then I want you to look in verse number 17. And it said, as for these four children. That's the four Hebrew boys. Amen, including Daniel. You see that? So he called them children. Uh, I've heard people say these were like 15 years old. I've heard preachers say they were 12 years old. I don't know, and I'm not going to argue with you in age. I do know that the book was written, uh, and the whole entire book covers a period of 72, three years. And Daniel was an aged man or getting up in age when he got through of the book of Daniel. I do know those things. So I do know that he started off at a very young age. Let me just say this tonight before we get started to every young person in this building, every single one of you, if you don't understand what I'm saying, I want you to listen. And don't, I'm going to hammer on it when you get a little older. Now I also want to say this to every man and woman in this building. Every adult man, every adult woman, and everyone that thinks they're adult that's not adult. Amen. Every old man and every young man. I'm saying to everybody that can understand me. Does that make that clear? I want to tell you tonight that the devil, amen, is out to destroy every single individual that knows God. And he'll do everything he can in his power to do it. He's in the business today of separating homes, separating churches, separating families, separating uh, friends. I'll give you some things that you can count on tonight. And that is that he'll separate you. Number one, he'll work on you, whoever you are. From a young age all the way to the grave to keep you uh, from having God as your God, the God of heaven. Amen. He'll try his best to separate you from the God of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. Amen. If he can get you separated from those, he's got a big stronghold in your life. Number two. He's out to separate you from the house of God. Amen. That's why so many today want to go to other churches. They don't want to go to some and tell you the truth and tell it just plain straight. They want you out of the house of God. The devil knows how effective the house of God is for your soul. Because the house of God is the 
a ground and pillar of faith and truth, right? So you won't get the truth nowhere but the house of God. You won't get it out of the mail order catalog. They still got a few of them. Amen. It's usually online, though. You can't get the truth from the news system. You can't get the truth at the courthouse. You can't get the truth from many sources in this world. But the only one God has designated you'll get the truth is the house of God. So you better hang on to it. Number three, he wants to separate us from the word of God. He does not want me to uh, read the word of God. I tell you what, in the last six, uh, I guess six or eight months, God has given me the opportunity to get in the word of God more than I've ever gotten into it back yonder. And at the same time, I have never had the devil work on me as hard as he's working on me now. Right. Yeah. You said, he don't bother me. I wouldn't tell that. <laughs> Amen. He's either done got a hold of you or you done got wrapped up in his web. The devil wants to keep you out of the church. He wants to keep you out of, out of the Bible. He wants you to keep you out of worship for the Lord. He wants to separate you from the Spirit of God. He don't want you to run in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. But we're told to do every one of those. He don't want you tonight uh, to follow what your parents think. He don't want you to look at mama and daddy as the guide of your home. He don't want you uh, being around the man of God. I'm talking about young folks and old folks. He don't, he don't want you tonight to do those things. He don't want you to listen to your grandparents or your great-grandparents if you've got them and if they're right. He don't want you to listen to anything godly. That's what he's doing today. And the reason I mention that is because we've got Daniel here. Daniel purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to do a few things. And I'm saying it because he's a young man. We're at the place now after they get to 10, 12, 13, 14, 15. They get the faraway look in their eye to not go to church anymore. And where you find your young people is going to be at the biggie churches. That's right. Yeah. When they get old enough to get on their own, they'll be down at the places where they got all, everything to offer them. That's right. And we have been involved in establishing that in the last 30, 40 years. We hadn't realized it, but we have. When we started to get into those places that, uh, you name me at some churches that's not to the big churches, amen, and I'm talking about, we've got a lot of good fundamental churches that are doing right, and I appreciate that. I thank God for it, but they're few and far between. And so when they get in those churches, the devil don't want them there, but at the same time, they're just in an average church today, when they get at least 12, 13, 14 they start looking for how to get out of the church and they won't listen to what mama has to say or the preaching the word of God. Preaching is not what is famous in the eyes of kids today. And if you've got some today to listen to God, you better keep in that same track and keep with them and cherish them. And keep on to the word of the living God. All right. Now I want to know look at something tonight. We're going to talk about Daniel for a minute. I just want to add that in. In Daniel, we're going back to verse number nine. He said, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. God can do anything. I've watched God move people that used to be my enemies and they are my friends now. God can do that. God can put you in any situation and if you'll honor that situation and not take advantage of it, you'll find that God will help you to do his work. 
God will provide if you'll just get in his, in his will and his way. Now tonight I want to go back and look at this. Tonight I'm going to label the message, Why Were They in Captivity in Babylon? Why did they have to go to Babylon? Somebody said, didn't they, did they have to go there? Yes, they had to go there. And then I want to back it up and say another that's going to sound like you're contradictory. They could have stayed out of Babylon. But what they did, they had to go to Babylon. And I'm going to give you some scriptures tonight that clears your eyes. Have you ever sat on the pew and the preacher preach or something's come up in your life and you say, Why did God let that happen? I was talking to a man about, I guess, three or four, three or four days toward the end of last week. Uh, maybe been, uh, maybe maybe a week ago. I don't know the timing, but I was talking to him, and he said, "I ain't reading that Bible no more. Not after what God done to me." We've got people that are running up and down the country that are mad at God. I don't know where you've ever met any of them or not. They're hard to deal with, and the reason is because. They didn't get what they wanted or God didn't do something they'd prayed for and they took it out on God. Now, did you know this is a, this is a bad deal for these four Hebrew boys right here? We're going to be talking about what they've gone through. They have very easy been able to raise their head and said, I ain't going to have nothing else to do with God again. I don't understand people saying that. But when you do, when you can't have no confidence in God anymore, what are you going to do when you have some more problems? Because you ain't going to have nobody to go to. Right. And remember, God knows where your heart's right or not right. Yeah. I'd never say that I'm mad at God. My mother-in-law, she used to tell me uh, several times in the course of early years of my wife, and I together, she'd say, I'll tell you right now, God took my husband from me and uh, at a young age, 37. And she said, I will never have any more use for God. She said that for years. She changed it. I'm glad she did. And I appreciate that. But you'll see people out there that do not care for the church or the preacher or the Bible or living right. They'll criticize you. Now let's take our Bible, and I'm going to prove some things to you tonight. Jeremiah. Let's go back to the, the book of Jeremiah 25. I'm going to read a lot of Bible tonight. Somebody said, I don't know about all that. Well, you're going to get it. <laughs> Amen. I, I got a, you remember sometimes you wives will fix something and be a big pot of it, and she'll say, you got to eat it. Well, I got a big pot of this tonight. Jeremiah chapter 25. We're going to start reading in Jeremiah 25, and I'm going to read at verse number 3. That's where we're going to start. Now, I'm laying a foundation work for these boys. You notice Daniel didn't say, I'm mad at God. The other boys didn't either. And you said, what'd they go through? You said, oh, isn't it bad that they went had to go through? Let me tell you something. Read the book of Daniel. Everything they had to go through, God brought them out in the middle of it. He went through it with them. Daniel in the lion's den, God took care of him. The others in the fiery furnace, God showed up. So don't worry about your troubles and trials that you're going through today. If you love God and you're where you need to be with God... He'll be with you. He won't let you down. Can anybody in here tonight tell me that God has let you down a few times in life? You thought he did. My, maybe. You, the devil probably run it through your mind a little bit, but I've never tried to quit on God. I have entertained the thought of time too, but I've never tried to go through with the process. I wondered. I've had a lot of questions for God. Have you? Amen. I still got a lot of questions for God. And he ain't answered. 
but I'm not worried about it tonight. I'll sleep good. All right, now let's go to Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 3. From the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the three and twentieth year. He's, and it goes on to say, The word of the Lord hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. That sounds like a problem right there. Jeremiah is who he's talking about here. Jeremiah is talking, and he remember that he's the little weeping prophet. And Jeremiah said, what's happened? God has sent us, and he's got those people to come out and preach. And, and, uh, but you, he told you something, but ye have not hearkened. Mark that little passage. Mark that little uh, phrase. Ye have not hearkened. What's that mean? You hadn't heard me. And yet, if you had, had you done something about it, I've warned you. I've told you something. What's he going to tell us? In verse 4, And the Lord has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets. God said, I sent you the preachers. I sent you the prophets. In the Old Testament, it's prophets. In the New Testament, it's preachers. God's doing that to America. God's doing that to every born-again child of God. He said, and the Lord has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets. Here's what he said. Rising early and sending them. And it's almost a repeat of the verse before. But ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. You ain't listen to me. I've talked to you. I preached to you. I prophesied to you. But you ain't listening. Do you think that might be a problem in America tonight? I know it is. Now this phrase, ye have not hearkened, is in here five times in the Bible. And all five of them are in the book of Jeremiah. Isn't that an amazing thing? Then he says in verse number five, they said, turn ye again, now every one from his evil way. That's what the prophets are preaching and from the evil of your doings. What were they doing? And dwell in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. They're trying to get their act together. The prophets are trying to tell them. And in verse number six, and go not after other gods. Uh-oh, he began to tell us what they're doing. And go not after other gods to what? serve them, and to worship with, amen, worship them, and provoke me, amen, not uh, to anger with the works of your hands, and I will to what? Notice this little phrase, I will not do you no hurt. God has said to you, I'll stay off your case. This is Israel. I'll take care of you. And if you'll worship me and treat me right and live right and not have those other gods before me, I will do you no hurt. Verse 7 said, Yet ye have not hearkened unto me. Now God's speaking now, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own hurt. Yeah. What God is saying, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to give you any flack. But all I ask is that you honor me, worship me, live for me. And I'll do you no hurt. But if you don't, you're going to bring hurt upon yourself. And at the end of it, you'll be blaming me for it. That's basically what he's saying. But you're the one that brings it on. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, we've suffered a lot of things in our Christian life because we brought it to our own hurt. We're doing it now all across the land. Been doing it for ages. 
But we're getting so used to doing it that we're not take, paying no attention to what effect it's taking upon us. You know why our children tonight are not in the house of God all across this land? You know why they're going to the big time churches? Because they're not looking to God. You know why they're not doing that? And you know why they're not a teenager don't want to serve God? Is because we've allowed this to get in our land and we are not honoring God. Parents will take their kids where the kids want to go. They'll let their kids do what they want to do. I'll tell you, there's two groups of people right now guess about everything they want. The kids and the animals. Amen. You can get you a little old cat and put it in your house and that little old cat tear the couch all to pieces, pull everything off of it. It won't be nothing but shreds. And they don't never say nothing about the cat. But if your kids do it, you beat them to death. Something's, something's messed up with us. I was in a house not long ago and the, the couch all tore up all over. And I said, what happened? They said, the dog clawed it all up. Well, that'd be minus a dog. He'd go outside where he belonged. You say, ah, oh, preacher, you're just hard-headed with it. No. Amen. I don't get one. I can't eat them, so I ain't going to buy one. Amen. <laughs> All right. That wasn't, that wasn't real basic fundamental Bible, was it? Amen. Uh, that was some dealsology right there. All right. So he says, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, verse 9, Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual desolations. Somebody said, boy, I didn't think God would do things like that. He's such a loving God. Try Him out. He put a lot of things on you a lot of times you didn't really realize it. Sometimes you have. Now, He's not saying that these were not saved. He didn't say, He said, the, He's talking about their, He's not even saying they're, they're bad people. They just would not hear His words. Now that happened in Jeremiah, but it's still happening in this day. God wants you to hear this book. Now let's go on down and I'll show you some more. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle, and this whole land, Israel, that's who he's talking to. Shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. You've heard of the 70 year Babylonian captivity. That's it. Now the Lord's telling you why they're having it. When you read Daniel chapter 1, look at it. What's happening? Nebuchadnezzar's getting them. And let's just go on a little bit further. Let's go... To chapter 26 of the book of Jeremiah. We'll rush on a little bit faster. I want you to see this because I've got other things, lots of things I want to say. In Jeremiah chapter 26 and verse number 5. He says, To hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them. In other words, God put them out on the road early in the morning. You ever wonder why? Most preachers I, I know of today, I, I know some that don't, some preachers... Uh, they'll sleep to 10 o'clock and then go get on the golf course. But uh, I, 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 have, I get up around 4 o'clock. Sometimes I stay in the bed till 5. Amen. Sometimes 5.30. And on a big, big day when I'm tired, I might stay close to 6. That's getting up early for me. Some of you, that's real early, but 4 o'clock is. And it said, both rising up early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened. See that? Now go over for the fifth time it's mentioned. It's in chapter 34. 
Jeremiah 34. And he tells us in Jeremiah chapter 34. And uh, let's see uh, what, what verse I wanted to go to. Uh, down to verse number, let's see, 34. And 34, here it is. Verse 17. 34-17. It said, But ye turned and polluted my name. The Israelites turned and polluted the name of God. How do you pollute the name of the Lord? Taking his name in vain, living ungodly, living unholy. And caused every man his servant and every man his handmaid whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure to return and brought them into, the, into subjection to be unto you for servants and for handmaids. Verse 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord, ye have not hearkened unto me. You see that? In proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother and every man to his neighbor, behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord, uh, to the sword, to the pestilence, and to the famine, and I might. That's wrong, ain't it? Amen. And I will make you to be what? Removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. That's what God did. Now, let's go to the book of Isaiah 39. Back up. In Isaiah 39, I'm taking my time. I want you to get this. Isaiah 39. And when you get there, let's read verses number 5 through 8. Isaiah 39, 5. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. That's twice he's saying this. Going to put them Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Nothing's going to be left of Israel. You'll find that. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now God tells them why they're going to be eunuchs, or tells them that that's going to happen. They're going to lose their children. How about that? They can't produce. Verse 8, Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. You know what Hezekiah just said? Do what you want to with my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. I'm so old now, it ain't going to make no difference to me. Are you hearing people say stuff like that today? Can you see how evil that the Israelites got to be and why God had to deal with it. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't no easier for the church either. God's book is not a playbook. God's book tonight is not something for, to entertain us. It's to wake us up and shake us up and get us up and get us out doing what God wants us to do. Well, you're kind of trying to get all the other stuff done, God's work, is still to be done. God's commission He put out there, still there. Makes me want to do more and more and more in our print shop to reach people around the country. Praise God for that. I'm glad we can do it. Amen. All right. Now let's back up to Second Chronicles chapter 36. I could say a lot right there. Mark these scriptures. Go home and read them. Because this is right on Daniel. This is coming up to Daniel. We're going to talk about that sometime or another. And so we go, please, tonight to, to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. And that's the last chapter of 2 Chronicles. And we're going to look at this. And notice what God said. Jeho Jehoiakim was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. 
And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. Notice the next phrase. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. You think God's pleased with that stuff? Do you think God wants you to mis- displease Him and sin? With every morning we get up, we ought to ask God, what will it take in my life today to make me more holy and more like you? Now you ought to be asking that all the time. And He said, and He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord His God. And verse 6 says, against Him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He came up to get him and bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. Come and got him. He's fulfilling what God said is going to happen. Verse 7, Nebuchadnezzar also carried of the vessels of the house of the Lord, terrible, to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. We done went over that in the early part of Daniel. Now I want you to back up again to 2 Kings. You see all this Old Testament right here all in this area is running right close to the same thing. 2 Kings 25. And let's look at chapter 25 and I want to read the first seven verses. Told you I had a lot of amen in the hopper. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his host. He brought the army with him. Against who? Jerusalem. And pitched against it. And they built forts against it round about. He encamped armies around them. And the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. Got them down starving to death. Fixing to take them over. That's what the devil wants you. He's starving our nation. The devil's starving our nation on the bread of God. Nobody seems to want to do what God said. There used to be a time when God's people would take the Bible and say, Lord, what can I do to be holy and please in your sight? Verse 3, And on the ninth day, i got to read again, of the fourth month came the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. And the city was broken up. And all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between two walls, which is the king's garden. Now the Chaldees were against the city round about, and the king went the way toward the plain. Now watch this very carefully. They're losing everything they got. The devil's getting the cities. He's taking it all out. He's hauling off to the, the bondage. And the army of the Chaldees pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho and all his army were scattered from him. He didn't have no protection anymore. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon to Riblah. And they gave judgment upon him. And they slew his sons, or slew the sons, of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon. God done that? He allowed it. You know why? They would not hearken unto him. You think you can trample over the word of God? I read this. Not, let me tell you. The last thing that King Zedekiah ever saw was them taking the lives of his children because they blinded him. Now, as not hearkening to the voice of God and the word of God, is that good payment 
for stepping over the word of God. In the eyes of God it is. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. They didn't have to be in Babylon. If they'd only hearkened to God and heard him. Did they have to go to Babylon? They did after they didn't hearken. But they could have honored the word of God and listened to him. And they could have stayed in their homeland. Look at verse 8. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzaradam, Dan, captain of the guard, a servant of the King of Babylon under Jerusalem. Notice this. And he burnt the house of the Lord. Burnt the temple. Getting it? And the king's house. And all the houses of Jerusalem. And every great man's house burnt he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Amen. You see what the judgment of God? Now when I was reading this and putting this together, let me tell you what I thought about. I switched gears. Got out of the Old Testament. And I went to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the Bible says we're all, all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now God has judged Israel time and time again. And his other places I won't give you tonight. But he said I'll scatter you to the four winds of the earth. I'll scatter you. And a Jew is scattered tonight. He will be scattered until the times the Gentiles come in. And I've been preaching on some. but when And that's going to be after the church is called out. And Gentile power is going to continue on for after the church is gone. But that's when it was. Now listen. Babylonian captivity and Gentile rule has been taking place from the place I've been talking about tonight. When Nebuchadnezzar took them, the Jews been under the Gentile rule. And they're going through all kinds of sufferings tonight. They could say, why, why did we have a Holocaust? They did not hearken to the voice of God. That's going to continue on till God says, that's enough. And then God will straighten You say, is that going to be from now on? Nope, nope, nope. The earth, Jewish people are an earthly people with, a, uh, with an earthly promise. God will give them their land. Amen. One day after a while. So we're going back and thinking about this just a little bit. And we're going to go back to Daniel and, and, and see these things and how it uh, has, has been blessed. They would not, and God wants us tonight to get the wisdom of the Word. You know why? You can't get wisdom nowhere else, and God wants us to get in the Word of God so we'll learn the truth. He wants us to learn how to worship Him. He wants us to learn how to live for Him. He wants us to learn how to serve Him. He wants us to learn how to stand for Him. He wants us to learn how to witness for Him. Where are you going to find all that but the Word of God? I ain't worrying about who's going to be president next year or the year after. I don't care. Amen. I mean, we can run them with them or without them. We've been nice two years. We've had one without them, you know. So Somebody will run it. And what they do, what can I do? I can pray for them and try to win them to God. And they'll change. You say, you ain't going to win them. Not with that attitude. I couldn't get to the White House to talk to the so-called president. I couldn't. Nobody let me in there. You said, send him a track. He probably wouldn't get it. I could write him a letter. He'd never see it. He's protected, took care of. 
But I'll tell you what I can do. I can get on my knees and I can ring the heaven's bells and I can pray and God can go up to Washington, circle around and slide in the door and touch his old heart. That ain't going to happen. No, get off the team. We need some new team players. <laughs> Amen. I believe God can do anything. Oh, man, it's impossible. But not with God. There's nothing impossible with Him. I just appreciate tonight looking at these things and seeing it. Well, I look at these scriptures and I see it. Now, Daniel is finding himself in another position. I don't know why in the world time runs so fast on me. But we'll find this. Look at this. We'll quit here in just a minute. I ain't got to where I want to be. I want to talk about these boys. But I will say this tonight. He's come out of a country where he had a God. All these Hebrew boys came out of a country that were worshiping God. And they're young. They're children. They're young. I don't know what their age is, but they've come into this land. And God honored them. And God had a purpose for them. And you know why Daniel did? Why Daniel had uh, God to intervene with the lion's den or den of lions? You know why God intervened when they was cast in the fiery furnace? Because they were honoring and hearkening unto God. How do you know He done that? Daniel said, "I purpose not." To eat the king's meat nor drink the wine that he drank. That sounds like hearkening unto God. Because if you don't believe it, Daniel is referring back, he don't say it in the Bible here, but Daniel had been taught under the law. If you want to know the dietary laws, of the Jewish people, go back to the 11th chapter of the book of Leviticus. He'll tell you all that where you don't eat a rat and all that stuff. I don't, some of that stuff, I don't know why in the world you'd ever think about eating a rat, but unless you're starving to death, I guess. But I'm telling you, he's told them what they could and could not eat. And Daniel was following that. And he knew that meat wasn't right. Amen. I'll throw something at you now. You eat a lot of the meats. That you, you said, I thought everything good to eat it is. But there's some stuff. There's one thing that Paul said, you ought not eat anything that's, uh, you know, uh, what is it? It's been offered to idols. Now, I'm going to leave that alone tonight because I think we're in pretty good shape. And I'll mess up, mess up your night's sleep if I get on that. You said, I don't eat anything that's got idols. Our country's full of idols. You drive some of them. You knock them all down around the corner with, with a golf tee, whatever, I don't knock it with golf tee, I do know more about golfing than that, but not much. You knock it with a club. You're right. So, and some folks worship that. Yeah. I was sitting down the road the other day, and a boy come, come up the road by my house up there, and he's had, I heard, I sounded like it was a race car. And you ever seen these fellows got a race car? Tops coming off of it. I don't, and they, they sound like they're running 90 mile an hour and then they go by like, and They worship that. Amen. Don't know how fast. Another fellow down there and a few days after that and they had black marks all up by my road up through there and had double black marks. That means both wheels are spinning. And I don't know. And he was my neighbor down there. And he, he's proud of that. He hides that thing back behind his house and covers it up. And all. Uh, got to be a God. That's right. Huh? 
You understand? And, I, and I'm not being mean or particular that guy. I wouldn't talk to him about that at all. He needs, he needs God. That's why he does it. He, amen. But I'm trying to tell you tonight, we're seeing the same stuff in America. It's right there. And I, I want to talk about Daniel and these three Hebrew boys with him. But I'm going to save it. Because I want to look at it. We're going to get in this place and find out that God, they come out there and name them in verse number 19. Do you see in verse 19? I'll give you this and one more thing. And the king communed with them. Who is it? Those eunuchs. And the king communed with them and among them all uh, all was found none like. Now, remember they had new names. And the devil wants to change your name. So he says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's God's names, names he give them. And even over here, God recorded that he didn't honor what the king had said. I like that. Amen. And Daniel, verse 21 said, continued even under the first year of King Cyrus. Now we're not through the first chapter. We're still at verse 9 and 10. But I want to talk about what I said tonight to get you to thinking about the things of God. We're in the last times and the closing days of the church. I don't know how long the Lord's going to let the church stay here. But I do believe tonight that we need to get the church changed back around somehow with our lives to watch God bless us again. Somebody said, we're too far gone. Probably so. I'd hate to think that, but I just about have to agree with that because I see where we are. But I tell you, I ain't going to let it be because of me. I'm going to put the gospel in their hands. Amen. Preach it to them from the pulpit. Put it on the web. Amen. Witness in the street. And print more literature. Praise God. And cast the bread upon the waters. And wait to see what God will do with it. Hallelujah. This church has got an opportunity that you wouldn't really think about. A lot of churches in this county don't even recognize this church and wouldn't ever recognize it. But we get a lot of things done that they wouldn't believe. And, you know, you don't have to go out and brag about that. Amen. And the reason I say don't brag about it, I, we're not in the business to see what we can do. We just want God to do it. Amen. Praise God. We'll have a reward one day if we're true to God. Amen. Heads bowed.